This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 954. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 954. It's a comic talk episode, specifically spotlighting Batman. So the only reason why I kind of wanted to do kind of a stream of consciousness episode about Batman is that, obviously, there's a new Batman movie coming out on Friday, uh, March 4th, or I guess in some areas, March 3rd, if, if, you know, depending on what time of day, you can see it on the Thursday. I'm planning on seeing it on the Friday. Here in Canada, I work for a bank, and we had just had a huge busy season called RSP season, where everyone goes crazy for investment. Uh, and so as a result, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take some time. I took a half day off on Friday. Literally between appointments with my clients, I'm going to be going to see The Batman, the upcoming just about three-hour-long Batman movie that looks dark. It looks merciless. It looks like it's just unrelenting. It also looks extremely good, and the initial reviews are definitely of the rave variety. So I'm really excited to see the movie, although... As one, as actually many reviewers seem to say, uh, it's really good, really good acting, really good, you know, cinematography. It's all, it's really fantastic film, but it's not fun. So I got to go into it with that. And I guess it's interesting that, you know, superhero genre has changed so much because of the MCU's influence is that, you know, more often than not, people expect to have a certain modicum of fun at superhero movies. And I don't know, I would say for DC movies, that has generally not been the case in the last decade. And this definitely does, uh, you know, proves to be or it looks like it's not going to be any exception to that rule. That being said, if any character deserves to be dark and gritty, obviously it's Batman. Uh, it's always kind of a weird one when you hear that, you know, it's, it's straining PG-13 uh, restraints and, you know, Avocado loves Batman. I'm like, you're not seeing this movie for a long time. And Batman's kind of problematic that way, right? Because, you know, if you ask anyone, you know, what are some of the best Batman stories? Uh, usually on the list is like Dark Knight Returns. Not really child appropriate. Uh, year one. Even then, like, it, it's brilliant. It's really good but you know there's some more adult aspects to that although that's not a surprise Frank Miller he likes to skew more adult anyway um but I was when I was just thinking about Batman today I wanted to think about like you know where did I as a fan first come to know and, and interact with Batman I think I may have chatted about this in a previous podcast but you know I've done almost 10 years worth I'm gonna have a little bit of repetition in my stories here and there it's it's almost inevitable so as a child, I, I used to watch a lot of the Adam West Batman. Now, obviously, I'm you know relatively young, uh, considering that that show was what 66, and I, that was like 17 years before I was born. It really reminds me how important syndication was to me as a child. In a way that syndication still exists, obviously, but with streaming content, etc. Streaming, you know, it's it's such a different environment. Like when I think about some of the things I grew up on, I watched I Love Lucy, you know, from the fifties. I watched uh, Leave It to Beaver, um, you know, I watched the sixties Star Trek. The, these things were in rotation on syndication. They were probably relatively cheap at that point because, as, as I said, I was born seventeen years after Batman started in Star Trek. So I mean, all these things started so long before I was born that I'm sure the syndication dollars um, were were not as huge, but 
or it didn't cost as much to be able to syndicate these things and, and be able to run these things. Um, but I remember watching a lot of the Adam West Batman. I used to come home from school. It was on like, like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Watched tons of Batman. Loved it. Um, I don't think I really understood that it was, you know, kind of a, a farce. I think I just enjoyed it and thought it was cool and awesome. Uh, and then, you know, obviously in 1992, you had the Batman the Animated Series came on. So I would have been, what, about nine when it came out. Uh, and I love that show. That show was, it's interesting to watch it now because it seemed like dark but like mature and it still is but obviously i think people have done so many darker things that and sometimes it feels a little light um but it's such a well done show it's very timeless and i've always appreciated that about that show is that it never felt that it was too mired in any specific time period it felt very timeless in its nature uh but yeah something about that show was just always so special and so that really made me a fan my first time reading a batman comic that's really difficult for me to parse out and figure it out i remember i had no, I can't remember. It's like the issue or two before Nightfall started, but it was a Batman issue with Azrael and Robin on the cover. And I've spoken about it in a previous episode. It was it's in the prelude to Nightfall uh, trade paperback, but I'm, I can't recall the exact number. Um, but I remember, like, I think that was one of the first Batman comics I ever really read. I'd read a few like giveaways. Uh, there's one I think from like Zellers here in Canada. It was in the states as well, but uh, I can't remember who did it. I was not. I, it just feels like when I was seeing comics in those earlier years, it was often a Spider-Man or. It was Superman, but it wasn't often a Batman, which is interesting. Um, that I never really kind of came across a lot of Batmans. I don't have old Batman issues in my collection at all. Uh, the first Batman issues, actually, I remember buying, and I don't know if this is before or after I bought Nightfall the trade paperbacks. I think in the late 80s, sorry, late 90s, I remember buying the, the first original printing trade paperbacks for you know what comprised Nightfall. It didn't, at the time, include anything from like The Search or The Crusade or Night's End. It was just the actual Nightfall. So, you know, Nightfall Part 1, who I think it was Who Breaks the Bat or something like that, was all culminated with Bane breaking Batman's back, and the other one culminated uh, with uh, Ezreal de- defeating Bane. So that's the Nightfall arc. Um, that was I, I had it in trades. I don't know exactly what year I bought that. I do remember in 97, I want to say 97, 98, I, somewhere in that school year, I remember buying some of the issues that were part of Batman Cataclysm, not knowing anything about what it was. Uh, it's kind of an embarrassing story, but I, I kind of bought it as a part of... You know, trying to buy something else that I shouldn't have been buying at that at that age, and I was kind of putting it under the under the stack, or putting it under a stack of comics, and there's on some of those comics. I really enjoyed the Cataclysm, though. Um, I remember. You know, it was, I didn't really have a comic book store, I think, at that point, or the comic book store I knew didn't have any issues that I needed. And so right near a hospital where my mom worked, there was a store called Comic Emporium, which was my store for years. Um, I love that store. But one of the first times I went there was because they had a few issues of Cataclysm. I think the Nightwing issues, and I was trying to collect them all. Now I have it in trade. Uh, I have the, you know, uh, Road to No Man's Land and No Man's Land in trade. But at the time I read, you know, I had a few, uh, a bunch of the scattered uh, chapters of Cataclysm that I really enjoyed. And then I think two issues of Aftershocks, and that was pretty much it for Batman. And then again, I was getting so much. Then I was at that point, I was getting really into comics, but more into to Marvel. And I don't think it was probably till Jim Lee did Batman that I was really kind of jumping on board the Batman train because I knew Jim Lee and I knew he was coming on to do Batman, and it was really exciting. And you know, I, I got to pick this up. And I remember loving Hush, and then looking at the issue that came after. I think it was Broken City by Azzarello, and being like, nope. This is this isn't what I want. I really like this Jim Lee stuff. Not so much. Uh, I don't even remember who Azarella was working with, but it just wasn't for me. So I just kind of moved on and. 
it, when I went to university, I would say that's kind of the major point where I really started to learn about DC and start reading more DC, getting my hands in DC comics and other DC collections and trying to really understand this whole untapped universe that I never really tapped into at that point. Uh, because it was just, I just never really saw them around in my book, you know, my spinner racks when I was younger. Um, I didn't really pay attention when they were in the comic book stores. Uh, it was just not something on my radar. Uh, I knew about Batman. As I said, I watched the animated series. I love the animated series. Um, but it just something about the comics always eluded me besides having those issues of cataclysm and liking Nightwing as well and liking the look of it but I just didn't wasn't really a regular Batman reader and I guess I never really have been I like the character a lot I'll come around to it um, there's some great runs obviously that I've read I liked the beginning of the um, Snyder Capullo run I liked a lot of the the early I guess part of the Tom King run as well before it got a little mired and I think him just kind of going overboard on being Tom King um, for better or for worse. I think he's good in bite-sized, you know, 12-issue chunks. Seems to work really, really well with Tom King uh, so he can kind of settle in, figure out a story and then get out and something about the ongoing run of Batman ended up kind of falling flat for me. But that's kind of my interaction with the character. And obviously with movie-wise, you know, I saw Michael Keaton's Batman not in the theaters because I would have been too young. It came out when I was like, what, five, maybe six? I can't remember what month it came out. I think I would have been about five, five and a half. So I didn't get to see it. Uh, when I did eventually see it, it's interesting because I think I got it for like Christmas. And it wasn't until years later I realized that the, the copy that I got was actually a, a pre-owned copy. But I just thought it was this cool VHS. And, it had, you know, the things as kids you don't really put a place to. You just kind of t- you roll with it. And you don't even realize that, oh... This is like you know they bought it from a, from a from a use from a store so who knows or a rental place so who knows exactly what year I ended up uh, watching it I feel like my memory is that I saw uh, Batman Returns in theaters I don't know if that's true but I'm pretty sure I did and that came out what ninety two so I would have been like nine so like my son's like can I watch Batman movies and I'm like oh I don't know because in my mind I'm like I don't think he should be watching the Tim, the Tim Burton one he's also scared of guns because my wife's like very much like guns are bad don't watch anything with guns so I think he's almost over anxious when there's anyone pointing a gun at someone else and with Batman it's almost inevitable so for that one I'm just very curious like when do I show him these Batman movies you know the Tim Burton Batman movie is great I love that movie but also like whoa there's some stuff in there it's a little bit you know crazy and then Batman Returns even more so because uh, it's a little bit crazy even at the end where you have like Max Shrek gunning down uh, Selena Kyle over and over again and then her you know electrocuting them both like that's kind of dark shit and you know Penguin dies like at least Joker's death is relatively bloodless he falls off a giant you know uh, cathedral and dies on the pavement like that's relatively bloodless and even the way they play it like he's his body's there and it's going ah 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 with that weird like laugh sound whereas the deaths in Batman Returns are much more visceral then you have the campiness of Captain Batman Forever which in some ways probably would show him that first uh, and then you got Batman and Robin actually probably could show him that one first that one's weird and problematic as well for of a lot of different weird things but in terms of being something that's more kid centric or more kid appropriate that one definitely takes the cake like it's the easiest one and then when you, when you get into like Batman Begins I remember Batman Begins came out. I would have been, what, 21? Which is crazy to me because I feel like I was much older than that, but really still a kid. And just being like, oh, wow, this movie's amazing. And I love Batman Begins. I love the music. I love the cinematography. I just love, you know, kind of seeing the year one-ish Batman, more or less. Um, although it's interesting because I feel like it really created this grounded tone for Batman, and I feel like the movies can't get out of that. Um, there's just something about not worrying about having to explain everything in the first Batman movies, even though some of the stuff is kind of silly, um, but they just kind of roll with it. Whereas I think modern 
movie adaptations generally want to explain the crap out of things unless they're an MCU movie. MCU movies at the beginning, it's interesting if you chart the uh, kind of development and evolution of Iron Man in the movies, you start out with a very practical suit, very practical applications, and every time you see him, the suit becomes more fantastical, starts doing crazier, almost super heroic things in terms of what it can do, right? Like, you know, you get to Avengers and you have uh, the bracelet that can call the armor down and go on top of him, which is very like comic-centric of what he would do. And then you have, by the time you get to Infinity War and Endgame, you got the, the liquid metal nanotech and all this stuff that's like almost superhuman at that point. Uh, but they started at a very real place before they allowed the, that universe to go, you know, kind of crazier and crazier in terms of what the disbelief, the, the, what the suspension of disbelief that their audience would give them would support. Whereas I think with Batman, they've just been like, nope, has to be as grounded as hell. Uh, except for, I guess, maybe Justice League and Batman versus Superman. But even that felt relatively grounded, even though that whole stuff was kind of crazy and then and then like i don't even know when i'll ever let my son watch the batman um that's coming out because again that looks super adult super mature and i'm very excited about it but again it's straining the limits of pg-13 so i feel like my son's eight so it's going to be like five to seven years before probably before he sees this movie Uh, i'm excited to watch it i'm hoping it'll be great um this is just kind of a little walk through memory lane of my interactions with batman as a character as i said I haven't actually bought a lot of ongoing Batman comics. I've read a lot, um, but in terms of kind of reading them on a regular, haven't. I uh, remember when New 52 happened, I was trying to, you know, st- stay engaged and stay enjoy- enjoying those things. I remember the whole period, I feel like Joker's been ruined for me, I think, over the years, because they had the whole period where, you know, his ma- his face was cut off, and then he would run around with, like, kind of the mask kind of stable to his face, and that was kind of extra grotesque. You had a lot of weird stuff happening in there, um, and even, like, when Tom King him, his his speech patterns, something about it didn't work for me, so I, I haven't really enjoyed the Joker in a long time, but uh, the Riddler, I'm excited to see what this new iteration of the Riddler is going to be uh, for the movie, it uh, obviously promises to be very dark, I'm excited to see you know what Zoe Kravitz does with Catwoman uh, and what her rendition of the character ends up being, so I'm very excited about this movie, this is episode 954 episode 956 should be my conversation with myself, uh, just talking about the Batman, uh, and kind of breaking down what that movie was like, what that three-hour monstrosity was like. I'm hoping it is a very enjoyable movie. Thank you for listening to this episode, though. I really do appreciate you downloading and supporting the show. As we get closer and closer to the potential end of the show with episode 1000, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, rate and review the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again. I really appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.